What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMixie, and this is Nice Minds. I'm with a very, 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 very special guest today, and once again, we're finally in person. We're at Grave Bomb Studios with my dude, Bob Lindbergh. Thank you, B. Yep, it's a blessing. It's so good to see you, man. Uh, I know, right? You too, yeah. Hell yeah. So we are at your your studio, your home studio, where you, yeah. you make the magic happen. Yep, yep, right, yep. So we've known each other for probably like, I mean, a long time, really. Yeah, I mean, it's like I've probably been a decade, if not yeah, more. Yeah, I, I've known of you, and I met you a few times back in the day because we, I know our brothers went to high school together. Yeah. Um, yep. You're a bit older than me, so we never went to school together, but... We have tons of mutual friends because we, you know, we're both from the Grove area. And then we discovered like three or four years ago that we're neighbors. Yeah, that's because we just became neighbors when I moved into this house in 2016. Oh, that was 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Otherwise, I was downtown. Okay. Living in a loft. So, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing you at shows like all over the place and stuff. We'd always bump into each other at shows. Yep. I think I, I definitely remember seeing you at the fine line one time, and I remember talking to you outside of that. Um, what is your history with music? Uh, I started playing saxophone, tenor, or alto sax, in sixth grade. And then when I was 12, I picked up guitar and a little bit of piano. And when I was 19, I played almost every day saxophone and guitar. But then when I was 19, I gave it all up to write, start writing religious horror novels. Oh, damn. <laughs> so, yeah, I put down music all together. I was writing 10 hours a day. And my parents were like, okay, you're not getting any of your books done. You got to go to school for something. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go for recording. My background in music was I never had any interest in recording because I knew the theory behind everything really well. Whenever I'd play something on the saxophone or the guitar, I'd have it mapped out in my brain on how I played it. I'd have I'd have all the notes and timing and stuff mapped out, so I didn't need to record to remember anything. Everything I like to play, I just play out of memory. That's crazy. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I never... I didn't get into recording or engineering until I was uh, 22. Oh, okay. 22 is when I went to IPR back in 2003, and, yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, you went to IPR like right after it started, really. Right? Yeah, there wasn't even a fourth quarter at IPR. the 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 first round of students was only on the third quarter That's when crazy. I was in my first quarter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I started at uh, IPR in 2014, so that would have been 11 years after you. Yeah. So I got yep, a, yeah. a way late start. Um. So I mean, yeah, because you went to IPR and then. You you got working on projects pretty quick, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. I got hired at MPR. Oh, okay. I uh, I did the Pro Tools certification in in two thousand four. It's version six. That's crazy. <laughs> I got certified on version six. That's crazy. And I don't yeah. even know if they're going with versions anymore. I think it's just like right, yeah, now or yep. whatever. They're just doing it by the years. That's crazy. Yep. Six. I can't even imagine. I think I got started on ten. When I first started hanging out with you, you were, I can't remember, but you were like, you had some manual that you were yeah. like, like re reading through. So I know that yep. you just hella just study audio like crazy. Yep. 
And I mean, I mean, I, I know that you back when IPR, when you went to IPR, there were big wigs still there, like Tom Tucker. Yeah. And, and yep. so you learned oh, man. from like yeah. the, the big guys, the big guns. Yep. Rest yep, in peace, yeah. Tom Tucker. And rest in peace, Jackie Robinson. And Jackie Robinson. Him? Yep. Yeah. Actually, yeah. me and uh, me and Mingy um, were we, we graduated high school at the same time. Uh, for mm-hmm. everybody that doesn't know, my friend Mingi, um, we graduated from high school at the exact same time, and we ended up touring. We were both going to go to Minnesota School of Business for their okay. audio program, and they were like yep. sister schools with with IPR or whatever at the time. And we were taking our tour, and the the guy giving us the tour actually found out about Jackie Robinson's passing as we were taking the tour. Oh, back in two thousand four. Four, yep. Wow, yep, yep, that was the exact year that. And he, so he found yep, out about yeah. it. Like I can't remember even how it went, but he was like, "Holy shit!" I can't yeah, remember like, oh how, we, how he had heard or whatever. But it was like, did as he cry? We were, I, he looked like he was about to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I can't remember um, exactly how it went, but it was like as we were taking the tour. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that was. Yeah. No, Jackie Robinson was the sole reason why I was able to graduate because uh, I had accumulated four felonies in in one evening the night before the last days of IPR. And so uh, I was in the hospital for a few weeks and I, I got out and I met with Jackie Robinson and my mother explained to him like, hey, this is, you know, a medical issue. You know, like it was it was a mental health crisis that happened but it was all said and done and my my mother told Jackie Robinson about that just kind of recapping what happened and whatnot Jackie Robinson just stood there and or sat there in super concern like caring concern Mm -hmm. you know and he called up all my teachers like hey you're gonna let Bob take his finals and you were gonna we're gonna graduate Bob right now wow and so I was like and I had never met him before yeah. And I heard people saying they hate him. Or not hate him, but he was really hard on people for their work. Mm-hmm. Like the students. I knew right away. I was he he would he wouldn't say that people suck. He'd be like, do it faster, do it better, da da da. And he, he kinda got under people's skin. Yeah. But I was like, he's the only real he's the only real opinion here. Cause we're in recording school. We're not good. Right. You know, you don't and and just on I he never he never I I never had a class with him. He never you know stood over me while I did anything. But just him doing that and me seeing him do that to other people, that was that was a game game changing mentality. Yeah. Like, okay, when I get in the industry, I need to know how to do this and this and this and this and this. And there can't be any hiccups or nothing. Yeah. Cause and I was like, I gotta get good. I gotta get fast and I gotta get good. All that was from Jackie Robinson. Wow. And That's Tom crazy. Tucker, I didn't even for the longest time I didn't even think he knew me or my name or anything. I had recorded a bunch of Tom Tucker classes at the old Master Mix on mini disc where I had microphones in my ears and I was recording and I have listened back to them not a lot, but I probably I've had them I mean I recorded them in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. I probably listened to each of them ten to twenty times. They're over an hour long. But uh, when I listen back, Tom Tucker is constantly saying, Bob, patch this up. Oh, good job, Bob. 
I was like, he did know my name. Yeah, wow. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So that was that was cool. I was really really bent out of shape when Jackie died, and and then again when Tom Tucker died. Yeah. That's... Yep. They were they were key. Yep. Yeah, I, yep. I never met either of them. I mean, I think I did meet Tom Tucker when Miggy yep. went there because I was always at IPR when Miggy was going to school there because he was always recording me. Yeah, um, yep, yep. Because I didn't engineer back then. Um, yep. And, yeah, so I, I never met him, but I, I just I knew oh. who he was because he was a legend. And, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. just to hear about his passing, I mean, even even not knowing him, I just knew that how much of a loss that was to the to the industry you know yeah 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 totally yeah yeah so after you graduated from ipr you went on to work with some like heavy hitters i mean you've worked with everybody from like 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 all the rhyme sayers pretty much like you've, so you've worked with yeah um a lot of I them with, like toki Wright and yeah I, I i did some stuff with doom train rhyme sayers yeah nice um who yeah. who else did you really work with like who'd you really like cut your teeth with god there's so i've worked for literally thousands of different people at this point <laughs> really yes that's crazy a that... lot of not even including winterland but like yeah i've worked for like 500 different i've i've completed almost 100 records in the last 15 years wow where i did everything Everything engineer wise, like wow. recording, mixing, mastering, I've put out probably over a hundred of those, and and that's not including like just albums that I did a couple to few songs, like one song. Yeah, that's I, I've probably had my hands in about five to six hundred projects, give or take. That's crazy, and I mean look, it might even be way more because yeah, I, I, I was busy. Because yeah, even like I. I come to find out like later on like because we we didn't really get to know each other like we said till like yep. 2016 17 yeah, yeah but when... like i find out that you did like a lot of my favorite like classic yes records like yep. you did that interlock compilation right yeah i did to yeah. call it what you want yes i yep. did i did that in its entirety yeah. that is like a classic like compilation to me and i yep. i awesome. realized the like later on that you did that shit i was yeah, like yeah yeah holy shit like i know like a yeah. lot of that uh, that project from front to back because that had like what like golden that had like cancer yeah 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 that had right. um like, I think like Dessa was was on there I think I um, can't remember but probably, probably like yeah. Desdemona I think was probably on there too and like mm. Carnage I think was on there yeah yeah um that's crazy man yeah you've been a part of a lot of fucking heavy it's, hitter it's been fun projects yeah 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 no I I worked with Mike Realm. Who okay. was the DJ for the Blue Man Group? Oh, word! And then Jeff Tortora is was a drummer for the Blue Man Group. Crazy. Uh, Dylan Parker lined up, uh, Jeff and Mike, to record drums at my house in Burnsville. That's and then crazy. they then a couple days later they got me and Dylan, and like one other person, probably like Dylan's fiance or wife at the time or whatnot. But we got they they let us in or they gave us free seats to the blue man group in st paul and we got to go backstage with them and we got pictures of all that so yeah damn jeff tortora is like one of the top hundred drummers like ever wow he's insane yeah that's insane yeah that was that was a lot of fun that was yeah that was when i was in burnsville and my whole uh my whole basement was a facility the garage was like the lounge. 
and we had a multi-room like control room performance area vocal booth nice yeah at your old place it was dope yeah my buddy aaron spent a couple years and about i think spent like twenty thousand dollars on just sound not acoustic treatment but just sound proofing 20 grand just on i think it was either 12 or 20 yeah wow i think it was yeah somewhere between 12,000 and 20,000 i would i I think it's closer to 20 but he would he did it so that he could have his band play in the basement and you don't hear anything outside damn so yeah his drummer would play through a pa with the kick and the snare or maybe just the kick through a pa and then all their amps and the vocal PA and whatnot, like it was loud. You walk yeah. down to the street, you can't hear anything. Damn. Even with the garage door open, like the outside door. Yep. If the inside, if the door into the house is closed, nothing. And that was the beauty of it. We could record or play music all hours. And yeah. Damn, that's crazy. So, yeah, I recorded probably, I like twenty or thirty different bands down there. If I mean, like band bands, like drums, guitars, mm-hmm. bass, vocals, keys, all that stuff. I probably, I think I mic'd up a kit like 50 different times in six years. That's crazy. That's something I need more experience with. I only yep. have a little bit of experience with, with live band stuff because I'm a yeah. hip hop dude. I'm very like much like in the box type of dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get my hands more on like, like band stuff and like, like yeah. outboard gear. You you know my brother, right? Yeah, I've, I've, I've yeah. met him you, briefly. You've met him, yeah. Uh, he's in a band. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we we did his record at Winterland. Isn't is is Jack London's drummer? Yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, because I've known yep. Jack Lund since he was like probably twelve. Yep, yep. I love Jack. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah, we go way back. That's that's nuts. He was. Jack was like really good friends with my brother and like yeah. like from like middle school up until like high school and shit. Um and they graduated together and stuff. So and I think I think my That's brother cool. graduated with your brother too. Yeah. I, I think I wanna yep. say they were in the same grade. I think that they were friends a little bit, but I don't know yeah. if they like really knew I met each other. your brother at my brother's house in uh South Minneapolis of forty sixth. Really? Yeah crazy i might have met you there too do you remember it was kind of a party house but they you know held it down maybe they had the band practice space in the basement wait you that was 46th yeah Um, 46th and first right off the freeway oh okay right off 35w crazy um but yeah that's it's crazy like it's a small world because and then you you ended up knowing like um anna lyrical Colin, yep. yeah, I love Colin. Yeah, hell yeah, and he's a homie. Boy, yep, yeah. I think he was the one that actually told me that you lived by me. I think that's yeah that was the connection. Like, yes, because you were he was going to see him. you and he GPSed. Yep, he's like, oh, Bob's like a mile away. Yep, that was <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. And yeah, I can literally like it's, I can walk from here basically. And yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. Nuts. So like, I mean, it takes me three or four minutes to drive here. Yep, like it's crazy. It's it's super dope. I I love the the fact that you live there and. They can't see it because it's right off the screen, but you've got the board that is my favorite board. Yep, I, I the D-Command. At, at yep, yeah. I love the D-Command. I, I would love to get my hands on one of those one day. Yeah, they're cheap now. Yeah, I'm you sure. You get them for like 2500 bucks. I'm sure. One yeah. of these days, I'll probably grab one. Cause... I paid seven for this one over a decade ago. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because those it was are... used. They were used ones were still going for like nine, ten thousand. Damn. Back in 2010. Yeah, because they're like yeah. obsolete now, basically. Yeah, they're like not. They'll even... be compatible for a while though. Will like, they? Yeah, the icon board because I think it's because they're so expensive initially. Yeah. Then they're just gonna make them compatible forever. Yeah. So yeah, I remember when I first came over here, I was like. I was like, damn, you got a D command in your house, bro? <laughs> yeah, like, I was yeah, like yeah. so impressed off of yeah, that. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just like based off of that, I'm like, you're the coolest motherfucker I've ever met, dog. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yes. Hell yeah. And I just remember we, I mean, like literally, like you, you just have been the homie, man. I mean, cause yeah. like, cause I would come over here and like, you Did, know, I'd be going through some shit and we just yep. had like, deep conversations you know we'd maybe yeah, like yeah, yeah. listen to some music that you've been working on you maybe show me some mixes yeah, yeah. but then we just talk for like an hour or two like and just, and yes. just kick it and yeah, we've, yeah. we've had some of the best conversations and i know right yeah a, and a lot of our conversations have consisted about like mental health and stuff like that yeah um, yeah, yeah just because like i mean you know like with me like i my my mental health is like i've just had extreme anxiety and extreme yeah. depression all my life yeah, and yeah. um just different different stuff like that um and then you you talk about uh your schizophrenia yeah um, that's the reason why i got into audio actually oh yeah well it, it wasn't even here's what here's what happened uh i was 22 and i was ending uh one year long uh treat uh not treatment it was a an experiment a medication experiment i went out to i was out at nih in bethesda maryland the national institutes of health i was out there and for 11 months and the music therapist was always like i'd always bring in i'd go on outings with the nurses and whatnot and the other the other patients and i'd buy cds and i'd have like three songs to tell the music therapist about and she was like bob you're you're very passionate about the music you listen to and she was like do you ever get into recording it and i was like no because like i said i I could memorize everything that i played mm-hmm. just kind of map it out but then she brought me to her studio in baltimore and this ponytail guy named doug i was there for about five hours just picking his brain and they had a big board and everything and all the job placement uh, surveys that I did, mm-hmm. I was at that I failed miserably. Like they said, I want to be a, I should be a biochemist. And it's like no, I can't go to school for that. I, yeah, you know, I'm not a good student. So I was drilling Doug with these uh, questions about job placement, and he was answering them all like. So it's like, yep, I can do this. Oh I wow! I can take meds, and I can, because he said it's. Very flexible schedule. You learn something new every day. Da 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 da. And I was like, "Cool, I could actually do this and not want to kill myself." Right. <laughs> you know. So when were you first diagnosed with schizophrenia? Then seventeen. In okay. high school. Yep. Yeah. I actually ran away right around the time when I was supposed to take meds. I stole my dad's car. I was seventeen in the eleventh grade. I stole my dad's caddy and just drove cross country. And, yeah, when I came back from that, it was a lot of microscopes and magnifying glasses on my mental health. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up stopping going to school at Maple Grove Senior High halfway through 11th grade. Well, in 
in tenth and I got my my driver's license right when high school started in tenth grade. I went snowboarding every day. There was snow on the ground, and the vice principal would try to physically get in my way. He I, I did it every day. Every day at eleven, I would leave. Oh yeah. And so Mr. Zafi tried to physically get in my way. I remember Mr. Zafi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. still there when I went there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, he would physically get, but he couldn't grab me or physically he was a stop dick. me. It kind of was, yeah. <laughs> well, when I ran away uh, in 11th grade, I just, after driving cross country for a week and a day, I just showed up at school at 7, right in time for classes. Yeah. As I'm walking in the door, people are looking like, oh, shit, Bob's back. 20 steps later, everyone's silent, just looking at me like, oh, my God. Because I had told only one friend that I wasn't going to come back alive. Oh, wow. Yep. And so he told everyone about that, and everyone was very frightened. And this was 1997, you know, or right. Yeah, like, so there was no GPS. There was no, they couldn't track. All they could track was when I used my cash card. That's it. And that's how they know how far. I went almost, almost all the way to Montana. Wow. And then I was like, I looked in my trunk. I was like, I didn't bring my snowboard. So I came driving all the way back through like Iowa, down to Chicago. I actually drove through Chicago when a riot was going on at like two in the morning. Or no, it was like four in the morning. There's fires all over the place, and I had to run about eight stoplights because every I I stopped at one, and people swarmed the car and were punching the windows and stuff. Oh wow! I was 17, like in preppy clothes, right? Driving a really nice Cadillac down that, and yeah. Another another event happened where I almost got in a really bad traffic accident. And then I was like, okay, I almost died. Now I want to live. <laughs> I'm going to go home. So I stayed, in a ho- I stayed in a motel in Alexandria and uh, got cleaned up. And then I, w- I left at 5 in the morning and was in Maple Grove Senior High at like 7.30 or 8. Whenever people, you know, file in. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, so to me, like, so how did they find out? from that that you were schizophrenic then because to me that just sounds like rebellious teenage shit right no it was it was right well it was was right around that time uh yeah i can't remember if i was supposed to be on meds or if i got put on meds right after that but i know there's a lot of things when i got diagnosed when i was 17 Mm -hmm. and when they found the diagnosis they were like yes now we can deal with it it was apparent that I had symptoms ever since early elementary school. Wow. My second grade teacher used to have me send notes home to my parents. And all I stopped giving them to my parents because they were all, if, if I were to look back and read some of those, they were all regarding internal stimuli. Wow. It's all like stuff that I said and did based on internal stimuli. So what, is, like, what does that mean exactly? Like what's... Uh, like internal stimuli would be like, uh, hallucinations. Okay. And yeah, distorted thinking. So yeah, yeah, just things going on inside the brain mm-hmm. that are not happening anywhere out, but it feels like they're happening outside the brain. Wow. So if you don't mind me asking, like, so mm-hmm. what kind of like things have you hallucinated and saw? Uh, well, I, I, I. What's good? Fast forward to now. Mm-hmm. I've been on a medication that has wiped out. 
99% of my hallucinations. That's amazing. It's beautiful. It's very toxic, so they got to test my blood Yeah. every month, even now. I've been on it for a couple years. But, I mean, yeah, it's. I didn't want to take it. Tw- they, they offered it 20 years ago, but then right away they're like, no, he's got a tendency to take all of his meds. Mm. as a suicide attempt if i did that with this med i would die oh yeah i'm sure and, and, and that's why i never wanted to take it right but they my my psychiatrist said that that's the big gun mm-hmm. if it'll work physically it'll work mentally and i and when my grandmother passed away a couple years ago that was icing on the cake both my grandpa and my grandma on my mom's side went out like sun coming up birds chirping just family all around i was like okay i'm gonna try to do that instead of committing suicide when i'm like 45 or something right and so so yeah i started this med but i mean i used to i was very under medicated mm-hmm. for about five years prior i was just on two meds and only one of them was an antipsychotic. and yeah i would see like figures beam down from the sky when i'm walking my dog Really run at me like almost in almost in my regular vision. They'd be like right there when I'm looking this way. They'd be like right there and I could make out what they were doing and everything. Just blurb people coming down and running at me. That would happen about 30 times every time I walk Zuki. Wow. Yep. And then whenever, whenever I, whenever I hear the phrase in my brain, it'll be like someone is behind me. Literally saying, don't think about that shit. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm in for at least a half hour of a lot of hallucinations. Really? Yes. So is it, is it something that just, like, triggers them or? Stress triggers Stress? them. You've been through some shit, dude. Yeah. I've been hospitalized about 15, 20 times in the last, uh, I mean, it's been very few and far between in the last te- decade, but. The decade prior, like from two from nineteen ninety eight to two thousand four, I was huge problem with the mental health courts. Wow. So yeah, like suicide attempts, and yeah, but I mean that's so um, those are my peers. Mm-hmm. You know, people that have done music their whole life and are really good at it and yep. whatnot. I mean, you you can you can't really compare. Right. You know, there's there's no comparison just because, yeah, like what I said, when I was 21, I was in a hospital out in D.C. Wow. When, like, everyone's out drinking and getting their feet wet with bars and stuff. Yep. No. And that, that that's kind of a benefit to, I'm staff at a treatment center now. Yeah. So talk about yep. that. Yeah. So you. Yeah. So we got a guy that was a drug dealer in Chicago for 30 years. And uh, but now he's like totally reformed. He's he's like sixty years old now, big tough dude. Uh, so for street stuff like living on the streets, drugs, mm-hmm. stuff like that, he's the go-to for that. And then if people at, for the residents in the house, like if they're, he can give them a ton of advice about just how to get out of that life and move forward. Because he's an example of that. And then me, I've got the whole mental health uh spectrum covered people can talk to me about their mental health situations and stuff like that so i was driving around in the van with some of the residents last winter and they're talking about all the different facilities in town 
and I asked him, hey, where does where does this one, where does the one we work at, where where does that come into play? And they said, because you have that other guy, the drug dealer guy, ex-drug dealer from Chicago, then you have all the, all the like streetwise chemical addiction. You can go to him. And for all the mental health stuff, we can go to you, Bob. So they, the place I work at kind of sets us apart in the in the residents' view, because we have that guy and they have me. No other place has either of us, right? Or like a position like that. So, wow. So yeah, that's a blessing. And so you've been, so you've been doing that, and you give speeches as well, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm a, I'm a speaker for Nami's Speaker Bureau. So when you do that, um, are, do you just do you talk about like your experiences and? No. Nope. For for five minutes, I do. Oh, okay. But the Speakers Bureau, they have like a whole spiel that you got to go through, and I kind of give my own input. You and I both um, work in the the mental health field. I, I think you've been doing it for longer than I have, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. When What year did you start? Uh, it's late 2012. So like. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get into I didn't get into healthcare stuff till 18. Oh wow. Yeah. That's like recent. jobs. Public speaking, I was doing. Oh yeah. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't work at a facility until 2018. Oh okay. Yep. That's crazy. And I actually worked at the warm line. It's like a crisis line for mental health. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So the um the people that you give these speeches to are are they all like mental health patients then or no? It's mostly families. Oh okay. Or I've talked to the police probably close to 30 times. Oh wow! For CIT training, crisis intervention training. Okay. Yep. I go there on week twelve of fourteen, and just it's another little spiel we got to do, but it's based on our story. That was called "In Our Own Voice." Okay. I O O V. I don't do it anymore because uh, the last time the last time I did it, there was a guy named Jeff Ashfall that was supposed to be with me two or three of the times he didn't make it and on that third time i was like fuck is he okay and then uh i just i was laying awake one night and i just looked for him on facebook and i found a page said looking for jeff ashfall uh it was on the news him and his he has two grown-up kids a son and daughter and a wife and i had i had done three public speaking gigs with him prior. Well, I looked at the thing and uh, they found his body in the Mississippi River. Oh my God. And, and so I didn't do the other two next things. They weren't even with him, but I was like, "I'm no, I'm done with In Our Own Voice. In Our Own Voice is two speakers. Speakers Beer was just one. So I was like, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing In Our Own Voice ever again because wow. if I do it with someone... And they die, like, that's, yeah. yeah. We're supposed to be models. We're supposed to be, like, right. figures of success. And when he did that, I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing public speaking hardly at all anymore. Wow. So, yeah, yeah that, was, that was very, very traumatizing. I bet. But if they ever have, they have the NAMI walk. Have you heard of the NAMI walk? Uh, no, I don't think so. Like, thousands of people get together at Minnehaha Falls and walk a 5K. They have a lot of teams, like people will, will form groups and have teams, and they make shirts for their team. I'm actually wearing one right now. Oh yeah, 
Nice. Yep, but they have these teams for people who have have mental illnesses. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's. My oh, nice. Yeah, I've, I've seen that little made. character. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. So when you when you say you talk to to police about like crisis intervention, yeah, um, it's to educate police on how to up. treat someone that's having a mental breakdown. That's what's up. I feel like we need right? yes. more well, people like that. There's 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 a fine line that's kind of smeared between if someone's freaking out on meth, right? It'll appear to be the same, and and it'll have no. Nothing you say to them will affect them. If they're on meth or something or bath salts or whatever, there's nothing you can say to de-escalate that. If someone has a mental illness, there's a couple things you can, couple questions you can ask to diffuse them. The bottom line is meth-induced psychosis is a whole different animal. Yeah, I bet. From organic schizophrenia. Yep. So, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah, I mean, there's good. Can meth induce schizophrenia? Yeah, it can. Oh, well, wow. it, it it can, but most of the time, if they stop doing meth, their psycho- psychosis goes away. Right. So yeah, yeah, if people have a family tree of schizophrenia, and they do meth, and if it's in their genetics, that could very well trigger permanent organic schizophrenia. Oh. Or wow. acid, acid too. I've heard that. Yep. Yeah. Is it yep. is it from doing too much acid or is no? It- it's all chemistry. Oh, okay. So it's just I mean, like you got to do a lot, but it, a, a, a lot of it is chemistry. Okay, so is it like the wrong acid, like a bad batch, basically? No, that it's can based on your genetics. Oh, okay. Like if so, you got so if you already have blood, the gene, then it get like. But some people, a lot of people have that, but they never awaken it because they don't ever do meth or acid or anything. Interesting. So yeah, yeah. And then there's people who never do it. Well. I did speed a couple times when I was a teenager, but that was way after the fact. I was self-medicating. Yeah. And I didn't do it often at all. I was never addicted to anything like that. Right. But, yeah, it was actually smoking weed. I had to stop smoking weed right after I started because that, that made all, like, when I was in second, third grade, I used to walk around thinking I was in a spaceship because of what I was hearing. Oh, wow. But it was friendly. It was on my side. When I when I when I was in elementary school, when we lived in Eden Prairie, we moved from there in in third grade. And I, there's lots of times where I'd stay awake all night, feeling like I was listening to the planets talk to each other. Wow. I, yeah. I, I it would be very hard to fall asleep, but it wasn't like a bad thing. It was like a larger than life inspiration thing, you know. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, then in. 10th grade, I smoked weed a couple times. I remember the first time, the first fucked up thing that happened that was scary was uh, we were driving. I was in the passenger seat with one of my buddies. We are driving at night. I was convinced there's a robot like 100 feet tall behind these pine trees. And I was like going like this, like, oh, shit, it's going to get us. And then Damn. we drove past the tree, and I was like, uh, and there's nothing there. So did they just, did people just kind of assume that it was like, you know, like imaginary friends when you were that age or? No, I, I didn't, I didn't voice any, any concern until the shit turned on me and I, I, they didn't, they'd say things directly to me, my symptoms would, that were insulting mm-hmm. and offensive. And then, it, and I'd also hear them talking that I wasn't supposed to hear. Like, they're like oh, we're going to get him on this date. He's got to do this. He's got to do this. Da, da, da. 
And they're like, no, we'll catch him here. We'll, we'll do this. And then oh, because wow. he knows about this, he knows about this, we got to get rid of him. So I was paranoid walking around. Everywhere. I had headphones on everywhere I went when I was in like my early 20s. Yep. And now it's evolved to where I can't even wear headphones in public. <laughs> wow. I, I wear headphones down here and that's it. Yep. Because I'm, I'm still, it's like it flipped. Like I couldn't be without headphones at first. Mm-hmm. And now it's like if I put headphones on, I'm afraid there's going to be like bombers and active shooters. Right. I'm going to be oblivious to it because I got headphones on. So I never wear headphones anymore. You're afraid that your symptoms will just kind of pop up again? Yeah. Well, I, I'm afraid that shit will hit the fan and I won't be able to deal with it because I got headphones on. Oh, okay. So the symptoms are going to happen regardless, but just it's like a it's more a paranoid thing mm-hmm. than a hallucination thing. Oh, okay. So the um the medication that you're on that that just like completely stops a lot of that. Almost. Okay. Yeah, I much. go days without hearing shit. Wow. Which is beautiful. Yeah, I bet. I I tell my friends and coworkers I'm super Bob now. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I made it. Like that's that's what's up, man. But I keep in my back pocket the thought that uh. Any day now, something could flip, and I'd have to go to a some kind of center that I'm working at now, mm-hmm. you know, or I, I might have to go into the hospital again yep. and get and deal with some shit that's popped up. Yep. But I'm doing so good now. It's like Hell that yeah. seems so far away, and it's beautiful. Yeah, man. And I got a lot of friends that are really proud of me. Hell yeah, man! I'm I'm super so, yeah. proud of you, man. Yep, like, thank I, you. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, like I've always I've always just admired you and like everything that you've yep. been through. And like I love, I absolutely love hearing your stories. And yep. uh, it's just it's super inspiring to see like what you've done for yourself and like the yeah. life you've created for yourself and the yep, work yeah. that you do and continue to do. I mean, in the mental health space and in the music yep, scene, yep, like right. both, like. And that's what that's what's really like. It's just inspirational, man. You know, you heard of Longshot. Oh yeah, MC Longshot. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was working with him, I had, he knows he was like front line of my support when I was in and out of the hospital. Nice. And so one time we're down in my studio in the basement of a warehouse in North Minneapolis, and I'm all fucking kinds of down on myself, and and he. he that was when the Twin City Hip Hop Awards were going. Oh, okay. But there was always fights, so they yep. stopped having them. Yep, I remember that. Well, Longshot was like, Bob, uh, he goes, if you look at this event, like at this one event, the Twin Cities Hip Hop Awards, he's like, you don't just work for half the people that are nominated. He was like, you work for half the people that that win. Yeah. And he was like, I have never known of anyone, not in Chicago, not in Atlanta, not in California. I have never known an engineer that dominates a, a portion of the industry like that. You know, and I was like, cool. That's, yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, you don't really even think about it until it's like yep. somebody presents it to you like that, you know? Yeah. Well, and when I was, when I started stage handing. Yep. A handful of years, or 2016, I started stagehanding. And this one noob, total newbie stagehand, he voiced how he wanted to be like a recording mixing engineer. Mm-hmm. And then my buddy Chris, 
uh, this this kid was kind of talking to me like I didn't know what was up. So my buddy Chris, that was another stagehand in the same banquet room, we were all setting up the room for audio for a corporate event. Chris yells across the room like, man, you only wish you had as many credits in Fifth Element as Bob. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. yeah I, had, yep. I had probably at least 15, 20 uh, CDs with my name for the credits. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Maybe crazy. more. It might have been like 30. I, I don't know. Holy shit. Fifth Element's not around anymore, I don't think. so. No, it's not. It, it actually just went under last year. So, yeah. Was it last? Yeah, it was yep. last year. It was a yep. ways ago, yeah. 2020. But, yeah, wow, man. so that's an accomplishment. Yeah. That's insane, man. I mean, that yeah. alone is just like, I mean, like I said, like, I, I, I found out years later, like, records that you did. I'm just like, oh, yeah, damn, I used yeah, to bump yeah. that, like, back in the day. Like, that's one of my yep. favorite local albums. So you probably had your hand in, like, a, a good chunk of the the local yeah. stuff that I was into, but you know, yep, yeah. back when I was like nineteen twenty, because that's really when I first like two thousand four five is when yep. I really started like getting familiar with the local scene, and I think that's when you were like really heavy in the scene, right? And like really like started to yeah get your chops. With... Well, I didn't. I stopped going to shows for the most part. Uh, Cause I was like, if I'm mixing and engineering and stuff like that, I, I can't be at all the shows, especially not drinking or nothing. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. But if I'm at a few shows, then it's like a delicacy. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, man. I mean, especially, I mean, now there's not shows going on, but like, right. But I mean, I think even like when shows come back, like I'm not gonna be able to go to as many as I used right, to. Right. Yes. Yep. Yeah, well, cause... it's you kind of gotta. It's got to be few and far between when you're right. like a mixer, because if you're out at all the shows, it it it's not bad, but it's like you should be at home most of the time right. on a Friday night mixing on shit and yep. just hibernating. Yep. And getting good at stuff and yeah. True that. I mean, yeah, especially the last like, I don't know, however many years, I've just become like a homebody and you know yeah. Like, I, in twenty twenty, we had to be. It's in... fun to go to shows yep. that you helped make the cd of like a, a cedar oh, release party yeah. yep. those are like the only shows i go to is yep. cedar release parties yeah yeah the only shows that i would go to kind of before the pandemic really hit was shows that i was booking because i yeah. was booking a yep, lot of yeah. shows you know between i don't know 2015 and 19 i was booking like tons of shows yeah. so yep. that those were like the only shows that i'd really go to and i felt bad because i wasn't going to a lot of my friends shows and all that stuff right. but um yeah it's just kind of like it's a balance man i mean when we're more in the creative industry we just get, we we want to support our friends but at the same time it's like we got to balance our careers and our yep, personal right, life yep. and all that stuff so it's yeah man i totally i totally get that um but i mean yeah so, so what what is 2020 like done for or like has it I helped worked, your career at i all? worked healthcare 70 hours a week in 2020. Damn, 70? Yeah, I worked Holy full-time shit. at HCMC in outpatient, and then I worked 20 to 30 at the treatment center. Wow, that's a grind, bro. Did that from November of 18 to uh, July of 20, a year wow. and nine months. So, yeah. So, what was that like during the pandemic? Was that just scary as shit? Or well, what? no, we worked at home. We, oh, okay. Right, you we, it was remotely, yeah. Was, oh, all nice. appointments were remotely. But the the outpatient was uh, all 
It's called the Hope Program. Okay. And it's all for uh, first onset of psychosis. Oh, okay. So it's all like people in their early 20s, late teens, early 20s, some people a little older. But it, and it was a, it's not inpatient. They don't live there. Mm-hmm. But it's outpatient. They have appointments with us starting like a couple times a week. And they won't graduate for two or three years. Mm-hmm. Like we catch them, a lot of them when they're in the hospital at HCMC. And then we kind of take them under our wing and then spend the next two to three years just kind of coaching them on how to get their life back in order oh, wow. once once schizophrenia hit. So with, with 2020, uh, it was remote. So we you just have Zoom calls with these people then? Or? Yeah. Yep, oh, yeah. Okay. Or just over the phone. Yep. And how did that... Did that kind of hinder their treatment at all? I nope. mean, like having to. Nope. Because no? they got to stay home. They, a lot of people missed appointments because it was hard to, you know, get down and find parking and whatnot. Right. So the virtual appointments was really good. So what are you what are you doing these days as far as like music and engineering and stuff goes? I have I still have at least twenty or thirty core clients or groups that I still record or record and mix and master for. Nice. So yeah, and that's that's what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on my live shit too now. Sweet. So yeah, like my dual board yep. DJ rig. And yeah. Spoken word and stuff like that. Like I, I want to focus on that. Yeah, because you we we were talking about when I was booking shows, we were talking about getting you on some stuff. Yeah, I wasn't ready. No, yeah, I know that. But I, I will be ready a long very time soon. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. you to kind of get your um your chops up and like figure yep. out what you want to do. So you got the. I mean, it's how many boards do you have? For two. That? Two? Uh, Twenty-four channel. One, yeah, I did. Point, yes. Right. Yep. Well, I have like four of those boards. Oh wow! But I only use two at a time. That's crazy. So that, I mean, well, yeah, the rig these is like eight huge feet wide. mixing yeah. boards. Like, yeah. and you were talking about like hauling those to shows. Yeah, to do I did. that live. I did do that a few times. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, man. I played a pavilion show in Hastings. I got videos of that too. Yeah, I can show you some of that. That's crazy. So I mean, because yeah. the way that you were showing me how you do your live stuff, I mean, you because you basically have like everything stemmed out in Pro Tools, right? Yeah, it's right? a four bar loop. That yeah, plays so it's a four, over and over. It's yeah. only a four bar loop, and you would just like like yeah, you know, do you use I your faders it with you, the faders? Yep, yep. I was I was like, damn, dude, how do you? And like, I do all the EQ pan and effects. Yeah, and level. Yep, and just with the the giant boards you're just like yeah by well boards, just... I, I play them like a piano yeah it's amazing Live. it was super yep, yeah. cool it's like, a, it's like piano dj times 20 and the loops were only four bars nine seconds yeah wow yep they that's, just keep going i just bring one in at a time bring a couple more in pull some out pull some more in do some cool little eq shit yeah what so what's your your solo moniker name again ncd or nutcracker dungeon that's a f- fucking best name ever <laughs> yes how'd you come up with that shit i i went through a bunch of names in my brain and then i was like nutcracker dungeonist and it's funny because if you look up nutcracker dungeonist on the internet mm-hmm. it's like a bunch of freaking sadomasochist i bet yeah <laughs> like like uh dominatrix stuff yeah like it <laughs> literally really literally funny. cracking nuts and shit yes <laughs> yeah, yeah or the nutcracker the nutcracker film or play or whatever it is i don't even know yeah it's a, that gets it's a, a lot play, of hits yeah yep. but yeah no nutcracker dungeonist that's what's I up even, i even i just i don't know how i thought of that name but i was like 
That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And yeah, you're or NCD for short, just yep. NCD. So it's it, it's uh, it's almost like I mean it's 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 industrial. That's what you would yeah, categorize. It's like industrial it. yeah. marching music with yep. narrative lyrics. Yep. Yeah. I don't so sing. I don't rap. Right. I just it's a spoken talk word. Shit, yeah. yeah. And it's you use like you pitch shift it a lot and yeah. Do, like, I well I, stuff. I I put a lot of distortion. Yep. Distortion. But just a little bit of pitch shifting just to make me sound more. Yep mature yeah it's like a little bit deeper um yeah 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 but like your your drums is what is what struck me like you got these like the marching drums yeah like just like massive drums yep so man um i really appreciate you and i appreciate our friendship man i appreciate you coming on this podcast dude it's it's been uh yeah it's been dope knowing you and it's been you too yeah, yeah. i haven't seen you in over a year because of the pandemic and yeah, yeah now that we're both vaccinated it's yeah. uh it's a treat to be here and man i appreciate it yes sir any last words you gotta for... come you gotta come over more oh definitely I, I, we will for sure yeah. i will definitely be here um any last words for the people no idea <laughs> so many i don't even know where to begin <laughs> thank you my dude once again thank i you. appreciate yeah, yeah. you bro You too. Thank you for having me on here. Hells yeah, dude.